I would really like to know why is actually somebody reporting? Is it because he has the feeling he has to? Or is it because he really has the feeling I'm looking at something very special now? And if that's the case, of course I want to know it. Why he or she thinks they're actually dealing with a new signal. Welcome to Drug Safety Matters, a podcast by Uppsala Monitoring Center, where we explore current issues in pharmacovigilance and patient safety. Albert Einstein is thought to have said, I believe in intuitions and inspirations. I sometimes feel that I am right. I do not know that I am. I bet we can all relate to that statement. Who among us hasn't been in a situation where we can't quite explain why, but we just have a feeling that we're on the right track? Or on the other hand, that something is terribly wrong. Some call it a hunch or sixth sense, others call it a gut feeling. Well, whatever you call it, it's undeniable that intuition is a crucial component of decision-making, not least in healthcare. My name is Federica Santoro, and my guest today is Eugene van Payenbroek. Eugene heads the Science and Research Department at the Netherlands Pharmacovigilance Center Lareb and teaches pharmacovigilance at the University of Groningen. But he was also a general practitioner for many years and has often wondered about the role of intuition in clinical practice. So tag along as we try to understand what intuition is, how it can be developed and why it can benefit pharmacovigilance. So we'll be talking about intuition in pharmacovigilance today. Yes, I would like to add the wording clinical reasoning and intuition because it's not only about intuition. I think you can only speak about intuition if you also take the clinical reasoning into account. Most information we get in pharmacovigilance derives from this clinical reasoning. But of course, there's also something like intuition in clinical medicine. And I think this, this intuition is something we don't take into account too often. Clinical reasoning we do, at least I hope we do, because um, it should be there on our reporting forms. Why is intuitive reasoning necessary? Is clinical reasoning not sufficient? I think there are two reasons. The first one is that clinical reasoning is aimed at finding a certain diagnosis. So the questions you pose as a doctor are aimed on finding a certain diagnosis. But in uh, pharmacovigilance, we are also interested in finding new things. And finding new things uh, might come along with a kind of intuitive feeling that something is wrong here. And I don't know if the questions I usually pose are sufficient. So maybe I should skip my initial ideas about a certain topic or a certain diagnosis in a patient. So it's not the normal cause of the disease, but maybe it's an adverse drug reaction. And what I would like to know is what the actual reason is for a doctor to consider an adverse drug reaction. Is it something he's seen before? Is it something that uh, simply doesn't fit in the normal cause of the reaction? Is it uh, maybe something that uh, the patient uh, spoke about? Those kind of, of information, I think it's important. Because we're aiming at finding new information anyway. Absolutely. So do we have this kind of information nowadays in reporting forms? Um, I think it's rather sparse, not quite often. The information we have in reporting forms are mainly aimed at, uh, at causal reasoning, trying to detect information about a causal relationship between the suspected drug and the first drug reaction. But if we're going to detect something special, we also want to know why does the reporter think this is special? 
And that's, I think it's something more than just the causal reasoning. He might be triggered by something. The fact that he has seen a certain drug reaction a couple of times, or he doesn't expect a certain reaction in a certain condition, that kind of information. And that's also something that might help us as a pharmacovigilance center to realize, well, maybe he's right. Maybe we should consider the first drug reaction or not. Can you give me an example of a situation in, in medicine or specifically in pharmacovigilance where intuition was fundamental? I think that, that in the early days of pharmacovigilance, the most classical example, for instance, is, is the discovery of phacomelia associated with the use of thalidomide. Uh, there must be a moment in which uh, a doctor must have thought, well, this is strange. We are dealing with a very rare condition. So it might not be purely coincidence we're dealing with. So at that moment, it might have been useful information to know why a doctor actually considers a possible adverse drug reaction and not merely just report it and wait until there were other adverse drug reactions or other reports. So this information is, is vital. Maybe another one is the discovery of a visual field defects associated with Vicobetrin. That must have been a moment in which a doctor must have thought, well, this is strange, I've seen two or three cases of visual field effects. And what actually makes me think about an adverse drug reaction? What is it? Is it a rare condition in this specific patient? Or given this patient and given his or her underlying condition, I simply don't expect a visual field effect? That's vital information for us as well to know. Because otherwise we, um, we have to start over again. We'll have to combine all the cases we have. We'll have to think what kind of patients were they? They were suffering from from epilepsy. But what kind of epilepsy was it? Was it a primary or a secondary one? And what was exactly the underlying condition? And might this underlying condition possibly have explained this tunnel vision or not? Or this uh, visual field effect? What is it? So this is something we should know. And not simply having an ADR reported in association with a certain drug. So the way you talk about it, intuition sounds to me like uh, a gut feeling, but it also sounds like uh, going beyond what's written in medical textbooks and the literature and perhaps making that jump in and thinking to make connections that were not there previously. How do you think about intuition? Uh, I think intuition is a very important part of thinking in medicine. Usually if you, uh, you want to look for a correct diagnosis, you um, start with opposing questions that actually, actually allows you to confirm a certain diagnosis. That's what we call clinical reasoning. So you have a dedicated set of questions and approaches and what you actually try to do is to confirm this diagnosis and what you actually want to avoid is making a wrong diagnosis. So the whole situation, the whole way of working actually allows you to name a certain diagnosis. But sometimes in finding these diagnoses, you also consider possible causes. These causes might be based on, uh, for instance, infectious diseases, but also tumors, neoplasma, and only one of the possible causes is an adverse drug reaction. So it might be very well that you, in your thinking, you're focused on finding a certain clinical outcome related to an underlying disorder, and you did not actually take an adverse drug reaction into account. But suddenly you realized that this is something that should also be considered. So intuition in that respect is very important to, uh, to take notice of. But then the second step is, 
why do you think my intuitive feeling actually points to what an adverse drug reaction? So you shouldn't stop by only thinking, well, this might be intuition. What's the actual reason behind it? So try to, try to figure out for yourself why you have this intuitive feeling. Is it because you didn't expect this specific reaction in this patient? Or is the underlying disorder insufficient to explain this clinical picture and so on? British writer Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, best known for the Sherlock Holmes mystery novels, thought detectives and doctors had much in common. A detective hunts for clues to solve a crime, and similarly, a doctor will carefully examine subtle signs in a patient to diagnose a mystery illness. In both cases, the investigation requires deep analytical thinking. You lay out the available evidence and then try to find an explanation, or in the doctor's case, a diagnosis, that fits in with the evidence. But this slower and more structured way of thinking is often complemented by a quicker and more automatic thought process, the gut feeling. Now, in the age of evidence-based medicine, intuition might be dismissed as unnecessary. But it's important to understand that intuitive reasoning is neither unscientific nor is it mere guesswork. Quite the opposite. The ability to understand something instinctively and sense the right course of action is what marks the expert out from the novice. Psychologists have been fascinated by intuition for decades, and many would agree that it is a highly creative process and essential to generate new hypotheses. What are the risks of reasoning intuitively? Well, well first let me tell you that intuitive uh, reasoning is important. But of course, there is a risk that you will make a wrong, um, you may will make the, the wrong conclusion. That's a possibility. Uh, we all know that the moment we have seen uh, certain cases or certain patients a couple of times in a short time span, we are more likely to um, to make the same diagnosis once again. The moment I've seen in a short time span, let's say uh, two or three patients with a Guillain-Barré syndrome, I'm much more focused in detecting these patients. Once again, so that there is a reason that there is a kind of bias in intuitive reasoning. Uh, nevertheless, I think we need it because it's a very valuable tool. Because if you would have to, to use the clinical reasoning in every case, in every circumstances, it will simply take you a lot of time. And we know that in clinical thinking, we make use of two systems. We call that the dual process theory, in which the first system, system one, is more intuitive, automatic, quick effortless uh, reasoning. Uh, we make use of previous ideas. We gathered from previous experiences with the patients. We call that uh, exemplars, pieces of thoughts and memories which are stored and which we can easily retrieve to use again. And then we have a second system. So the first one is a very fast system. And we have a second system that's more an analytical system, a reflective system, more slow, will cost us more effort, and it's more used to verify the diagnosis. It's in fact the same approach as we use in causal reasoning. So in these systems, they work together. And depending on your experience, you use one system more than the other one. If you are new in the field, if you are a young doctor, if you are a novice, you will probably use the causal reasoning, so the system two, more often. And if you are an expert, you are likely to use this, um, this intuitive reasoning, so the quick reasoning, recognizing patterns, recognizing these exemplars, uh, heuristic reasoning, so that's an add in problem solving. Probably you will recognize a rare diagnosis more, much more faster. 
And is this something that is subconsciously developed with experience or can it be consciously developed and learned? I think this intuitive reasoning, this system one reasoning, is something that you will develop over time. The moment you get more experience, you will become an expert on the field. And then you might say uh, from a conscious exercise, it will become a much more unconscious process. And that's what we call intuitive reasoning. But in fact, of course, it's nothing more, nothing less than recognizing a pattern. But you do that in an intuitive way. I think that's the main difference. But of course, the trick is that you actually want to know, well, where does that intuitive feeling comes from? I think this is something we really have to really have to find out. Also as a PV center. Yeah, and also if it is something that can be learned, how would you advise pharmacovigilance professionals then to take as much as possible out of their intuition? I think we have to make a distinction between the intuition and the reasoning by our reporters and intuition and reasoning as a pharmacovigilance centre. I think that's an important distinction in respect to our reporters. If it's about clinical reasoning, we simply should ask for follow-up information, uh, look for a discharge letter, see whether or not the narrative will provide us information. And if it's about intuitive reasoning in our reporter, it's a little bit more bothersome to retrieve that information because it's unconscious and not outspoken and probably not reported on the reporting forms. We simply have to ask. So I think that asking for the motive to report is something that might really help us to understand what uh, the considerations were in the reporter to think about a possible first reaction. It is also something we might learn from. If we're talking about clinical reasoning and intuition and pharmacovigilance itself, I think we'll have to have our own questions or dedicated questions for certain uh, clinical pictures. We should work on that as well. So what do we ask in case of well, the aforementioned visual field effect. How can we be sure that this is indeed a visual field effect? What should we do if we get a report of a pulmonary embolism of a Stephen Johnson syndrome? What's the information we need? On the other end, over the course of time, we will also develop our own intuitive reasoning. And I think what we should do is we should realize why we think this is a signal or not. I think this is something we will have to, uh, to be aware of. And I don't think we must stop by saying we think it's a signal, but always try to explain why that's the case. Our young colleagues won't be able to uh, to learn from us. So going back to the reporters then, that's an important point you raised, that perhaps the question as to why they report should be included more. Are there any countries, any scenarios now where that question is included in reporting forms? As far as I know, actually asking for a motive is not something that has been done routinely. You may do that by asking follow-up information, but it's not a question that's being posed on the reporting forms. But for me, I would really like to know why is actually somebody reporting? Is it because he has the feeling he has to, because we're waiting for reports? Or is it because he really has the feeling I'm looking at something very special now? And if that's the case, of course I want to know it. I want to know why, why he or she thinks that they're actually dealing with a new signal. What's the reason behind it? Uh, and I think that's much more valuable as just just doing our causality assessment in our centre. We just want to learn from the reporters as well. And of course, you and the pharmacovigilance centre you work for have an interest in patient reporting. So you teach me that patients add a special yeah. value uh, to pharmacovigilance by picking up information that perhaps healthcare professionals don't pick up on. 
And on the other hand, this whole discussion or reasoning makes me think healthcare professionals are trained in clinical reasoning. Patients are not. So what kind of thought process goes through the head of patients and what value does that add for pharmacovigilance? I think you raise a very important point is that what we consider as a doctor to being a signal might very well differ from the ideas patients have about what a signal actually entails. Um, if I see in a summary of product characteristics or the patient leaflet that uh, dizziness has been mentioned as a possible adverse drug reaction, I might very well think that, well, of course, that's nice, it's being labeled, I'm very satisfied, it's there, everybody can take notice of it. But for a patient, reporting dizziness might very well mean that he or she is extremely dizzy, can't go to work, can't get out of bed anymore, so really hampering their, uh, their daily activities, having a strong influence on the quality of life. And this is something we simply don't realize. So for them it's a signal, for us it should be a signal. So this is really information that is important for us to know as well. So if we got a report from a patient mentioning dizziness as such, I think in these cases we might very well ask for the motive. Why did you actually report it? Because you had to? Or because you had a feeling that this was an extreme case of dizziness, you've never seen this before, and you don't think the information provided in the SMPC is sufficient. So if that's the case, I want to know it. So it's um, um, the motive as such is important. It goes beyond this intuitive reasoning. Maybe the patient simply is unsatisfied by the fact that it's not mentioned properly. So, But nevertheless, it's information I want to know. And do you see this, the question of why people report, do you see this question added to reporting forms in the near future? Oh, I think we'll have to think, we'll have to consider how we should actually pose this question in the right way. But I'm convinced that in some cases we might ask for the motive in a follow-up question, for instance, simply by asking follow-up information from our patients and asking questions like, how did you experience this adverse reaction? Was there a special reason why you actually reported it? Something like that. But I think this is something we will have to look into in more detail because you you want the patients to, to report freely. And if you ask for motivation, you might you might give them the impression that we had certain feelings about the, the adverse drug reaction or their report. So how we actually pose the question should be uh, I think we should take a very close look at that. So that's what you think can go wrong if you ask them for their motivation to report, that they can be just put off from reporting altogether? What I think is that you really have to consider how you actually pose that question. If you simply ask, why did you report this? They might feel a little bit embarrassed, for instance. So think about how you actually ask it. Were there any special reasons? What are your thoughts about this ADR? It might shed a different light on, uh, on the first correction on the report. When pharmacovigilance systems first developed and reports of adverse drug reactions were few, professionals in the field relied strongly on intuitive and clinical reasoning, both their own, as they poured on the cases one by one, and that of the doctors who had filed the report. But as more and more information flowed into our databases, it became impractical to review reports one by one, meaning we had to come up with new solutions. And so, statistical methods like disproportionality analysis were born. These methods offer a convenient way to sift through large collections of data, but do not take intuitive or clinical reasoning into account. 
So the risk is that we reduce reports to a simple drug-adverse-drug reaction combination and neglect the underlying clinical picture. That, says Eugene, would be a big mistake. So as we develop even more sophisticated methods to analyze and interpret data, we must also remember that behind every report lies a rich and complex clinical story. There is a trend towards increased automation in pharmacovigilance. Some people are very much in favor of incorporating automated processes, artificial intelligence in pharmacovigilance. Others not so sure or a bit hesitant about it. Perhaps they have doubts as to whether it will ever entirely replace human intelligence. Given this, where do you think intuitive reasoning fits in a future that is increasingly automated? Um, I think if you are looking to intuition, it is also about kind of meta message, the message behind the message you're actually looking for. Uh, sometimes you have a feeling when you read a report, well, this patient was, she wasn't very happy with the situation, or there was possibly a conflict behind it, or she was unsatisfied with the treatment of their healthcare professional. So I think it might take a very long time before we actually can reach that level of interpretation using artificial intelligence. We still have to look as human beings to our narrative and to interpret and to think about what we actually see on paper. So in the nearby future, there will possibly be some great steps being taken in respect to things like text recognition, for instance. But for the actual interpretation and looking for the the message behind the report, I think we need our uh, own human intelligence to do that. So there will be no robots that think intuitively? Intuitively, um, no. I don't think, at least for the next five or ten years, I don't see that uh, this type of developments in pharmacovigilance. So what would be your word of advice for novice pharmacovigilance professionals? How would you tell them to use their intuition? I think a very important element in being trained in pharmacovigilance is to discuss the cases with your colleagues. Ask those with more experience, with previous experience in pharmacovigilance. Discuss on meetings. Ask the healthcare professionals. But be sure that there is plenty of interaction about your thoughts and other thoughts of your colleagues on the reports being forwarded to you. Uh, because like in the clinical practice, uh, also intuition and reasoning in pharmacovigilance is something that has to be trained over time. And it's only the training and the experience that will actually help you in becoming a skillful and astute pharmacovigilance expert. Sounds good. So dare okay. to ask questions, I guess. It's Post questions, dare to ask questions, uh, not only to your colleagues, but also to the patients reporting to you and to the doctors reporting to you. You really need that insight in their thought processes as well. It's not only your own center, your own ideas, but please take care of everything that has been done before the reports actually were sent to you as a center. It's a pity if we skip all the efforts and thinking processes being carried out by our reporters and just ignore them. No, they are very valuable and they um, should have a very prominent place in pharmacovigilance. That's all for now, but we'll be back soon with more conversations on medicine safety. If you'd like to know more about clinical reasoning and intuition, check out the episode show notes for useful links. 
If you like Drug Safety Matters, subscribe to it in your favorite podcast player and leave us a review so other listeners can find us. In addition to these in-depth conversations with experts, we run a parallel series called Uppsala Reports Long Reads, the best stories from our pharmacovigilance magazine in audio format. So do check those out too. Any comments or suggestions for the show are welcome. Look for Uppsala Monitoring Center on Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter and come talk to us there. For Drug Safety Matters, I'm Federica Santoro. I'd like to thank Eugene van Bayenbroek for the interview, Matthew Barwick for post-production support, and you for listening. Till next time.